Alléluia. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Isn't he great? Come on, isn't he great? Alléluia. 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 There's transformation in the house today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. In the book, of, you may be seated. In the book of Exodus, chapter 20, verse 24, we read, An altar of earth thou shalt make unto me, and shalt sacrifice thereon thy burnt offerings, and thy peace offerings, thy sheep, and thine oxen. In all places where I record my name, I will come unto thee, and I will bless thee. And if thou wilt make an altar of stone, thou shalt not build of it hewn stone. For if thou lift up thy tool upon it, thou hast polluted it. Neither shalt thou go up by steps unto mine altar, that thy nakedness be not discovered thereon. And then in Deuteronomy chapter 27, starting with verse 1, And Moses and the elders of Israel commanded the people, saying, Keep all the commandments which I command you this day. And it shall be on the day when ye shall pass over Jordan unto the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, that thou shalt set thee up great stones and plaster them with plaster. And thou shalt write upon them all the words of this law when thou art passed over, that thou mayest go into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, a land that floweth with milk and honey, as the Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee. Therefore it shall be when ye be gone over Jordan that ye shall set up these stones, which I command you this day in Mount Ebal, and thou shalt plaster them with plaster. And there thou shalt build an altar unto thy God, an altar of stones. Thou shalt not lift up any iron tool upon them. Thou shalt build the altar of the Lord, thy God of whole stones, and thou shalt offer burnt offerings thereon unto the Lord thy God. And thou shalt offer peace offerings, and shalt eat there, and rejoice before the Lord thy God. And thou shalt write upon the stones all the words of this law, very plainly. And Moses and the priests and the Levites spake unto all Israel, saying, Take heed and hearken, O Israel. This day thou art become the people of the Lord thy God. Thou shalt therefore obey the voice of the Lord thy God, and do his commandments and his statutes, which I command thee this day. Let us pray. Jesus, let your word be established here today, and let your perfect will be accomplished. Lord, help me to be nothing more than a vessel for you, Lord Jesus. Help us to be hearers and doers of your words, and let your works be fulfilled. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody say amen. 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 You may be seated. In Exodus chapter 20, we find Moses, or God, excuse me, God speaking these Ten Commandments to Moses, and then as we just read in Exodus, God gives Moses very specific directions about the altars that he was to build and how it was not to be built. And then in Deuteronomy, Moses and the elders are reminded again, thou shalt not lift up any iron tool upon them. For a moment of your time as the Lord leads, I want to preach to you an altar of hewn stones, man-made misconceptions. It didn't take long for me to realize as I read this, the very message that God appointed for this time that we have together this morning. 
When I read verse 25 in Exodus chapter 20, my curiosity peaked as to what hewn means and why God did not want Moses to use these hewn stones. So like any person who wishes to find out more, I dug in a little bit deeper. I looked it up. Hewn means something cut, a dressed stone wrought, which means something beaten or shaped. But church, why would God tell Moses to not use these types of stones? Hewn gives the implication that these stones were formed with human hands. And the very verses around this say so. They were man-made. God does not want our man-made perceptions of an altar. For what He made is and should be sufficient. These man-made stones are what cause the misconceptions of what it means to come to the altar. Of what it means to cast your sorrows, your fears, your sins, your shortcomings, anything that you need God to help you with to the altar. And as I prayed about this, the Lord led me to three different ways that these misconceptions can unfold. Number one, we think that God does not want to hear about the need that we have, the thing that we are struggling with, also known as embarrassment. We think that God doesn't, we think that we don't need God to help us with our need. We alter the actual issue to something that does not even tie back to the original issue at hand because we want to hide the actual issue. I don't know if you can see the pattern in all these, but they all relate to one word, and that is pride. God is here today in this place to deal with pride. Pride says, I can handle it on my own. Pride says, I don't need anyone to help me. Pride says, I can't let anyone know about this issue that I am having, or it might deter my public image. Pride says it didn't happen when I wanted it to, which means it must not, it, it must not, it, it's not going to happen, which means it's not going to. Oh, church, these, these man-made misconceptions say that if I just pretend like it's not there, then it will go away. God is saying, bring it all to me. Bring it all to me. Let me help you. The man-made conception says, I can take care of it myself. God is saying, let me help you take care of it. Amen. Oh, and as I thought about this misconception, I began to think about the times throughout Scripture where we see the great leaders falling into this very misconception. Yeah. Abraham took it upon himself to rush the miracle that God had promised him. His hewn stone was going to Hagar and having a child with her, all the while thinking that this will solve all of his issues. I want to tell someone right now that if you're waiting for your miracle and you try to rush it by doing something else, it's not that it can further delay it, but that God still has a plan for your miracle. God still has a plan for your miracle, and there's a purpose in it. His plan is brilliant, and we're all a part of it. Hallelujah. 
Moses thought he could do it himself also. But his father-in-law said otherwise. He was instructed to take someone with him because everyone around him could see that he needed someone. Everyone around him. If you recall, he was instructed to pick out judges because the disputes were too great a burden to bear. Church, if you've ever been approached by a brother or sister in Christ and they ask you how you are doing and you nonchalantly just say, pretty good, when in reality you're not doing good, you're doing yourself a disservice. And while you may be able to hide it from that person who asked, guess what? God already knows. So my question to you is why would you even try to hide that from him? The Apostle Paul was another great example. He grew weary from his travels and ministry endeavors and opportunities, but he just kept going and didn't think much of it. It was God who lovingly had to remind Paul that, hey, Paul, I'm still here. Don't forget about me. Not that he would have forgotten, but call on me. I know you're weak right now. You need me to do something in your life right now. Don't forget about me. You see, church, we get so caught up in the day-to-day mundane tasks, guilty as charged, that we begin to build up the resilience, if you will, that may have originated from God, that may have first been given to us from God, and we get it in our mind that we can handle it ourselves. Then there's our perception of time. We think it hasn't happened yet. That must mean it's not going to. The misconception is the timing. God's timing is perfect. I don't know when. You may not know when, but God does. So trust Him. Live and pray in expectation. And then we see Judas, the one who betrayed Jesus, was fine on the surface. He was fine on the outside. He followed Jesus. He looked the part. He played the part. He did everything. But beyond all of that, at the very root of it all, a relationship with with Jesus was never birthed within Judas. Judas saw the opportunity to make some money, and he took advantage of that even if it meant the betrayal of his Savior, which he never knew. The pride that welled up in Judas forced him to hide the issue at hand. He thought that he could just cover it up even more if he just did this or if he did that, and he finally gave in to that temptation. His hewn stone was thinking that the problem would just go away if he didn't talk about it. Let me tell you something. If, if, if there's something you're hiding here today, I'm not saying you have to tell anyone. You, you should bring it to God. But the fact is, is that if you hide it, there's going to be other things that continue to stack up on top of that and on top of that and on top of that until it's going to be too great a burden to bear and you're just going to collapse. 
You're going to collapse spiritually. You're going to collapse maybe even mentally and physically just because of this burden that you've put on yourself. Oh, church, hear me out here. If there's something you need to deal with, deal with it right now. Get it off your back. Get it off your shoulders and give it to God. I'm here to tell somebody right now in the Holy Ghost that you've been holding on to that thing for too long and that it's time to give it to Him once and for all. Once and for all. And we know, we see, well, from, 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 this, this, from this Judas, and I, and I can't imagine it, his life ended the way he anticipated. I can't imagine it did. It, it, was, it was a burden so great to bear that it eventually led to his death. I can't imagine that Judas expected to die because of his misconception. You see, they began to just stack and stack. It, it didn't start up here. It didn't start with betraying Jesus for some pieces of silver. It started down here with the relationship. It started down here with, well, I can handle it on my own. I don't need God. I don't want Him to help me with it. Hallelujah. In tying that back to Exodus chapter 20, uh, in the second half of verse 25, God said, For if thou lift up thy tool upon it, thou hast polluted it. You see, the word sword here, it is used therein in a destructive sense. These man-made misconceptions are that which have polluted this altar. They were that which diluted the desire for a Savior. No, this is not referring to the sword of the Spirit. This is not referring to the Word of God, but rather the sword, the tool, which was laid on these hewn stones brought death and will bring death. The sword is designed to shorten life, while an altar is designed to lengthen life by being used to achieve atonement. It makes sense, therefore, that one should not be used in the formation of the other because the two can never mix. And as I stated moments ago, the tools were man's way of seeing and trying to change something without first taking it to the Lord. The one who first needs to help one deal with it. The one who wants to help you deal with it. He desires to do so. Now on the other hand, we see these uncut stones that God instructs and are those that being created by God bring life. So on one hand, we bring what we want to bring, that which we filtered through and took, at which, took out that which we didn't think we needed to, to the altar. We took out those things that we didn't think we needed to bring to the altar, which is cut up already. And then on the other hand, again, we bring that which we need to bring to this altar, uncut. Everything, all of me. Just like the song we sing, everything, all of me, to you, O Lord, I surrender. Oh, that we would surrender everything to Him, church. That we would surrender everything in our lives to Him, both of that which is good and that which is not. Because when we bring that culmination of things together and we bring them to this very altar, we can say, Lord! 
(laughs) Take care of me. I need you to take care of this. I know you've called me to something greater. I know you've called me to something more, but I need to deal with this. You can be upset with him. You can be angry with God. Did you know that? You can come to God really upset. Now, he might treat you like Job and put you in your very place. But because he loves you, because he's your savior, because he's the one that wants to help you deal with that. So, of course, he's going to treat you like a child. He's going to treat you like a child that you are because we're all children of the one true king. I can recall many times growing up where my dad, bless his heart, he, he corrected me in many ways. Some ways I, I, I didn't agree with. Just ask my son. Where's he? He's, he might be sleeping right now. There are things that my son Callan does that I have to correct him on because if I don't he's going to take those things with him and one day he's going to God forbid do something because I didn't handle it so that burden is on me but you see Jesus wants to carry that burden for you he says I'll take care of it for you you don't have to take care of it by yourself you don't have to take care of it alone you shouldn't take care of it alone (laughs) Oh, church, are you hearing me this morning? Are you hearing me right now? Are you hearing me in this very place that we do not have to take care of these things by ourselves because we have a Savior who already took it upon the cross, who's already taken care of it. Therefore, we can come to Him with all our needs. Remember that He was tempted in every way that you've been tempted or that you can ever be tempted. So go ahead and give it to Him. And, and there, there's somewhat of a twofold purpose here. One is to say that these mighty men that I've just talked about who were called still had shortcomings in their faith. And number two, to help us realize that we don't have to take this route of pride, but rather humble ourselves before the throne of grace. We bring God glory, the glory He deserves, when we come to Him with our needs. You want to give God some glory? Tell him something he's not going to be happy with. And give it to him. Ask him to help you. Oh, the glory that that brings to Jesus. Oh, church, that you, what you would bring to the altar would be uncut, not hewn, not messed with by our minds or our hearts or anything, but that it would come to God, that you would come to God unfiltered. That these alterations you would need to happen right here at the altar. That they would happen when you are praying in your prayer closet at home. That they would happen on your drive to work. That they would happen when you wake up to pray or when you lay down to sleep. You've heard it time and time again and you will continue to hear it. We are in a shift, not a season. And in this shift, church, some things have to die. There are misconceptions that have to go. There are things that will change, and you will want to be a part of it. These these uncut stones that were brought to the building of these altars were done so to prevent idolatry. They were brought to prevent the making of a graven image. They were brought to God without any misconception. You see, church, and I'm I'm coming to a close here, praise team. 
But complete healing can't happen when you swing your misconception at the complete stone. Complete transformation can't happen when you swing your misconception at the complete stone. Complete deliverance can't happen when you swing your misconception at the complete stone. These tools used to hewn stones that God intended not to be hewn have to go. Everything changes when we come to God with our needs. Everything changes when we let God handle it rather than us handle it on our own. Are you hearing me? Everything changes when we allow God to make the changes. Praise team, get ready. As we come to a close here this morning, and as you stand and make your way, go ahead and stand all over this place and make your way to this altar here this morning, this altar of repentance, this altar of deliverance, this altar of transformation, this altar that God desires to make a change in you. When you come, put everything aside. Put everything aside. Come up here honestly before God and He will meet you at your shortcomings, but He won't keep you there. He will meet you at your doubts, but He'll sweep them away. These altars are open. If you need prayer, come. Come to the altar. If you need deliverance today, come. Come to the altar. If you have thought any time this week or whenever, I just need help. Prayer happens right here at this very place. God is reaching. God is calling. Come on, church. There's healing in His name. Come on, the time for misconceptions have passed. God wants to meet you where you are at. He wants to make you whole again. Keep going as the Lord leads. Keep pressing toward Him. Keep pressing toward the mark of the high calling. Hallelujah. Go ahead and call on Him right now. Whatever needs you may have, He's here to meet it. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. 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 In the name of Jesus, we call on You. We lift You up, oh God. Lord, we need You, God, to take over. We need You to take over, Lord Jesus. We can't do it on our own anymore. We don't want to do it on our own anymore, Lord Jesus. We need You, God, to take control of this thing that we've had control on or that we think that we've had control on for too long. Help us, Jesus. Help us, Jesus.